Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. So just so that all of our listeners are aware, we are going to be touching on some sensitive subjects this week. So this is our trigger warning to you as an audience, just in case you are dealing with issues of sexual assault or anything like that, we will be talking about that. So this may be your point to step away from the podcast if you need to. So on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the book Take It As A Compliment by Maria Stoyan. I hope we're saying that name correctly. Um, It is a visual memoir? Graphic Graphic memoir. Graphic memoir. Graphic in the term graphic novel, not explicit. Not explicit, although. Although it is a little bit. Well, yes, which we will get on to. But before we get on to talking about this very um, insightful and thought-provoking book we are going to talk about the wine that we are pairing with it this week yes we are uh we have two wines this week we have a white and a red as is our want and the the white wine is the porcupine ridge sauvignon blanc 2018 which was chosen by sam Mm -hmm. sam would you like to say why you chose this wine i would so this book deals with um before we get into the fine details of it, it it kind of covers um a lot of very personal, sometimes traumatic experiences that come with being a woman. Um, Not always a woman, there are male stories in there as well, but um, the idea behind choosing this was because there's a tendency almost when a woman um, stands up for herself to describe her as being prickly or as being being a bitch, and I chose something with something prickly on the label to reflect that if that makes any sense at all. I think that's... I actually really like that. Yeah, I wondered really how cool. you were going to actually pair the porcupine wine to, <laughs> There was you know, some thought behind the Some kind wine. of assault. Yeah. And interestingly, um, the label, the description on the label, I think also pairs quite well with what mm-hmm. we're about to talk about. So, Porcupine Ridge takes its name from these shy nocturnal creatures that frequent the vineyards, forests, and finbos that surround Borkenhuskluf winery <laughs> Good. in <laughs> French Hook which is South Africa, and my mum is really mad at me right now. Um, Ever since our first vintage in 1996, our wines have reflected a philosophy of authenticity, expressiveness, and integrity. Porcupine Ridge Sauvignon Blanc, a Bokenskluf original. Bokenskluf. That's so so fun to say. Well, if you say it right, it's, I'm sure. The expressiveness, integrity, and authenticity, I think, is also really true of this book. So I really like that. Excellent. The second wine I chose for um, much less complex reasons. It, this is the uh, Chronic Cellars by Sweet Petite. Um, or no, it is Chronic Cellars Sweet Petite. It's a Petit Syrah, and I chose it because the art on the label, which you'll see on our Instagram, is um, it's not the same as the art in the book, but it's it, it reminds me of it in a big way. And in, a, in many ways, it reminds me of it in the darker the dark aspects of the book that yes. we'll we'll talk yeah. about because it <clears throat> depicts a um a skeleton wearing skinny jeans and a blue t-shirt with long blonde hair drinking red wine mm-hmm. in a cartoon style and i just i really i really liked it so i wanted to um to pair it with something and this seemed like a good one my favorite thing about the skeleton on the front of the label just before you get into the description is that the skeleton which i'm assuming is a she is wearing high heels but in her high heels you can see her bony foot that was my favorite bit too i like that somehow she still manages manages to have a more defined butt than me and she's she's got tits where have they come from 
What are they made of? Oh, tits aren't bone. It's a really... <laughs> you heard it here first. Tits aren't bone. It's a really cool art, um, art cover. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Words. Good. Class. It's a really cool illustration and I really like it. Um... Funnily enough, the tagline is "Grab it like you want it." Ooh, what? Uh, ooh. Slightly controversial. Did you Did you know that? When no, you I it? just liked the label. I thought it matched the art. Um, so those are the two wines we chose. We're gonna start with the white wine because, uh, as I said earlier, I don't like white wine and I want something to look forward to. So, we're ending with the red wine for once. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. Oh, it's very white. It's very spiky. It's very... It's a bit like drinking a porcupine. No, it's... Hang on, I'm going to need another sip. You know what else is spiky? Pineapples. Do you just taste pineapples? Do you just taste pineapples? Always, always. I don't taste pineapples. I taste lemon. I taste... (laughs) Straw. Straw? Mm. I taste something that's on the turn. I don't like, like going off. In my head, I went like someone on Mardi Gras. Like, what do you mean? Someone who has betrayed the uh, the American Revolutionary Army. Turncoat? No. Yeah. Never mind. But it's fine. I feel like my breath is flammable when I breathe out after taking a sip. I enjoy that none of us are very good at giving actual wine tasting notes. We're just no, like... we're not going to pretend that we are wine connoisseurs. Mm. I said it tastes like betrayal mostly. I mean, that is not a wine-tasting note! Well, no, to be fair, it goes with many of the themes in the book, so it tastes like betrayal, maybe. Uh... It's oh. sharp and sour. Sharp. It is sharp. It is sharp. It's quite sharp and sour. So, that was the Porcupine Ridge that we are drinking. Um, we purchased it from Sainsbury's for a cool £7.50. I believe it's one of the ones that you can only get at Sainsbury's. Um, tasting notes, gooseberry and tropical fruit flavours... fresh and dry with a lengthy citrus finish i said lemons i said lemons (laughs) i mean i went with straw so and kim went with betrayal so (laughs) that's not listed betrayal and pineapples Oh, okay you got one we'd like to preface this discussion um by saying that the topics that we're going to talk about obviously touch quite heavily on the me too movement that's a really big topic and that's going to come up quite a lot in our podcast i feel because it's um it's a feminist yeah Yeah. we're a feminist podcast it's integral to feminist society and society at large um at this moment in time we will be covering it more but this is not meant to be a full discussion of the me too movement we don't want anyone to feel like we're not doing it justice so i just wanted to get that sort of psa in there real quick Mm -hmm. so We're going to go on to actually talking about the book. So it's quite an interesting one because we've never talked in our personal book club or on the podcast before about graphic novels, I don't think. No, I didn't mean no. that. Um, and I actually picked this up at the library in the graphic novel section mm-hmm. and I I was struck by the name because it's called Take It As A Compliment and the fact that it's pink and I was looking for something... I was looking for interesting and challenging graphic novels i was actually looking for graphic novels written by people of color um as part of the book riot read harder challenge that i'm doing in 2018 um but this one i couldn't i couldn't not leave the library without it and then when i read it i thought we have to talk about this on the podcast it's 
it's so interesting um so we're treating this a little bit like our book club questions that we've talked about i think we mentioned them with the barber of the slut yeah but it's such a big conversation that we'll obviously be talking about other things besides the the regular kind of book club questions it would be silly for us to try and restrict ourselves to book club questions it's just that they are going to be guiding us so a brief summary of the book is that it is a series of um, personal stories which have been collected by the illustrator who also put the book together um, Mariah Maria Stoyan one of the one of those pronunciations that we're really good at on this podcast. Um, I think it's Maria Stoyan. And she's collected these stories from men and women, um, and they are dealing with issues of, uh, in some cases, sexual abuse, uh, in some cases, harassment, um, and kind of the vast scope that that those things cover. So within the book, there are 20 stories. Uh, they're all, as Kim said, it's a graphic novel, so they're all illustrated. Um, rather than there are words but it's they're minimal it's mm-hmm. mainly told through the illustration um, so that's the the basic premise of the book which character element did you most identify with did it remind you of anything or any current event it's really hard to say whether you identify with any of the characters I think you know in terms of character development there isn't much you get a snapshot of this person's situation or or something awful that's happened to them um and because it is told purely for them to tell this awful thing that has happened to them so in that respect i probably couldn't say that i related to a character unfortunately none of these situations have ever happened to me um i i i suppose i there are some because all the illustrations are so different which is why on the way here um i said to sam oh i wondered how they paired the artist to the story and actually we then looked and realized that it was the same artist throughout and all the illustrations are so different so i suppose there's maybe a few of the styles of illustrations that i maybe um more appealing appealing, or i um was able to get into that story quicker because there were there were some illustrations that I I maybe um, could the story was clearer to me and visually it was more appealing um, and I could relate to the character more because the illustration to me was more beautiful I suppose in mm. some kind of way I know it's hard to say these illustrations are beautiful but some of them really are and they do illustrate an emotion or feeling and I suppose that's what I'm trying to say is I didn't relate to the stories themselves or the characters but the feeling within it definitely hit home. What about you Kim? There were a couple that I that really stuck out they were all they they were all powerful in their different ways and there were a couple that touched on that kind of relationship where everything is fine until it's not yeah. until they do something and they don't realize that they're overstepping boundaries which resonated with me a lot for reasons that and i think that we've all kind of agreed that we don't need to share our personal stories if we don't feel comfortable with it um but for reasons along that vein there was also the one that really really resonated with me and interestingly it was the one without words where um and we'll I encourage everyone to look at this because it's hard to talk about it without you having seen it. But mm-hmm. um, 
the the story follows uh two characters at a bar um the the central character leaves the bar alone and there's in the background of every single panel there is a man the same man the Mm. same man watching uh watching her at the bus stop watching her on the walk home watching her leave her friend um and in she calls her friend and obviously that person then arrives and then they walk wherever it is that they're going together even though it's kind of implied that they had ended their evening Mm. um and but that she felt unsafe and so called someone because this person was watching them and following them and that one i thought was so powerful because it was so subtle there was no words there was no language needed to be said and there was no physical contact between the aggressor and Mm. the central character and um i have certainly had experiences with people specifically at uni where on paper in words i guess nothing they ever did was was outright well that's not strictly true but like outrightly threatening but if you if you told the story now it would seem like hijinks or it would seem like maybe paranoia but the 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 very real feeling that i was being threatened and uncomfortable and did not want to walk home alone be in my house alone was there Mm. um and i've also had experiences with a person that i i never saw their face i had uh, a series a few years of very uncomfortable phone calls and that that always seemed to happen when i was in an office alone or at home alone and um that very same feeling that you've not i've not been I'm not necessarily seeing this person. I'm not never necessarily having an argument with someone or um, an altercation with someone, but there's that sort of sense of dread and foreboding. And that one was really, really powerful for me. What about you? I think um, you talking about the story about, um, you know, being watched and stuff like that. I suppose, you know, when I said, oh, you know, I'm really fortunate that none of these situations have happened to me. Um but actually, you know, there are those situations where you feel like there's the, the strange man walking behind me or something like that. And, you know, more often than not, they pass and it's absolutely fine. Um, but that is a very real feeling. Um, I definitely remember going to an under-18s nightclub in Windsor, <laughs> in my loafers. <laughs> and, um, and I was only allowed to stay out till I think it was probably like half nine or something like that. And oh, I was you're... 13. And um, so I had to leave the nightclub by myself and wait at the bus stop um, for my mum to pick me up. And there was definitely an older guy lingering near me. And I remember that being to memory the first time I have felt exposed as a young girl with uh, a, an older guy or any kind of person making me feel very uncomfortable mm. in the situation I was in. The second part of that question was, did it remind you of anything, any current event? Obviously, this is where the meaty stuff comes in, but yes. Sam, you had a particular thing in mind, I think. I did, yes. So when I was reading this book, I was reminded, um, and actually I spent today reading um, several things um around the uh, decline in sex in young people uh, and it was a kind of it's a long article that's been published in the atlantic um and it deals with this idea of the sex recession and what the reasons behind that are and then 
part of those reasons that it's that it's suggesting that could be why pe- young people are having less sex is because um of the fear of repercussion if their sexual advances are done in the wrong way or um like people are scared to approach each other and they cited the example of uh, Aziz Ansari um so for anyone who may not know Aziz Ansari is a comedian he was famous for being Tom Haverford in Parks and Rec he's also done a couple of series of a Netflix uh, show called Master of None uh, and he's quite well known for his stand-up as well and he was generally regarded as being one of the good guys of comedy and Hollywood um, and he wore a pin to the internet's woke boyfriend the internet's woke boyfriend woke boyfriend yes exactly um, and he what's that mean woke means like awakened to social issues right okay I get you it's a thing that kids say now (laughs) I was about to say like I'm not hip enough to know what this means I kind of guessed what it meant but um, I just wanted to clarify that's right yeah no problem so yeah he's very well he's well known and well respected or was well respected and and an article came out on Babe earlier this year um, which was an interview an anonymous interview with someone that he had been on a date with um, and her account of the date was that he had essentially been uh, very forceful and despite the fact she had tried to make it clear that she wasn't comfortable with certain things happening, he had been insistent that they do happen. Mm. And I won't go into all the details because you can read it on the web- on, on the internet yourself. Uh, but his account of story, his account of the events was that he was not aware that she was uncomfortable he thought everything was consensual um and in his words you know had he had any feeling that she weren't comfortable he wouldn't have continued so that kind of that was a very similar kind of story to what happens in some of the tales in the book so that's what it made me think of mm. um and obviously there's all the harvey weinstein stuff in hollywood at the mm. moment as well um which i think was a big part of the Me Too movement, wasn't it? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing that you mentioned, though, is the thing about Aziz Ansari versus Harvey Weinstein is, you know, he was, Aziz Ansari was the internet's woke boyfriend and his stories are, well, this, this particular story, I should say, is someone went on a date with someone and it went, and it took a turn for the worse in a horrible way. Whereas the Harvey Weinstein stuff is very much like... A, a, an abuse a, of power. Abu- that's exactly the phrase I was going to use, an abuse of power. So in many ways, the Aziz Ansari stuff does is, is more evocative of this book or vice versa because so this, this book is so much about the everyday stories mm-hmm. and part of the beauty, I think, of the um, artistic style of it mm-hmm. is that there are all different ethnicities and... Um, and genders and people represented um and you know aesthetic styles represented it could be anyone it is not it is not specific to one um profession Mm -hmm. actresses it's not it could have just been anyone and it was very easy to put yourself in the shoes of the people you're reading about it was a very difficult book to read for that reason yeah and i think the aziz anzari thing because of the circumstances 
it's not just something that I think a lot of women would be like, oh, I've been in familiar situations where I felt under pressure or I felt like there was, wasn't an option but to do this thing. Um, I think also a lot of men who would have heard that story would have been like, fuck, if I'd... Have I done, th- have I done things that I thought were perfectly fine and consensual mm. and actually they weren't? And that was another thing they were talking about was that um, I read uh, an interview with a woman called... Um, Lola, oh no, I fucking forgot her name. Anyway, um, there's a woman who's a professional dom and wrestler who works in Brooklyn, um, sex rights advocate. She's she's great. Uh, Lola Jean, that's it. Um, and she ran this workshop where she invited a load of men to come and talk about, um, to come and talk about what they felt after the Me Too movement happened. It was a mm. year after it happened, and she wanted to get feedback. And she said, "I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to say anything." just talk and vent those frustrations all those feelings and so many of them are like it's just made me completely reevaluate past behavior mm. um and now that they're like, people are uncertain because they don't know how to behave mm. um so yeah sorry that was kind of a tangent so uh, like evaluate past behavior and go wow i didn't realize that i will definitely change or wow i need to be more careful it's or both, both. I yeah i think it's both it's a i didn't realize i did that i need to learn from it and she made a very good point in this article of saying something along the lines of it's going to be men teaching men. Yeah. And it's important for that to come from men because not that not that they don't listen to us, but it's no, more but powerful I, if you've got both sexes behind it. I think if, you know, this um what's his name? As as Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari, who I hadn't heard of until today when I read that article. <laughs> Um, because, you know, I don't know popular culture or anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, the, the article is awful and the things that she says happened and she clearly felt very uncomfortable. But, um, I suppose what if he didn't realise and now hopefully men or, or women that have done similar things can reflect on it and go... I think I think the behaviour needs to change from the person inflicting it. Yes, yes. of course. It's, yeah. it's not, you know... You Otherwise said, it's, it's, it's not the fault not, of the victim. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, no, but, also, but also, you know, um, she was obviously very shocked and didn't speak out in the moment and then did things that she obviously felt pressured to do. And hopefully with the Me Too movement, it's not only the the people that usually inflict it learning that actually that behaviour is not okay, um, but the people that experience it then going, this isn't okay, and yeah. leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a really hard yeah. thing to fix. So you may notice that the next bit of the podcast sounds a little bit different to the first. That's because we had some issues in recording, but we will hopefully get things on track for our next episode. So hopefully it hasn't ruined it for you. <laughs> Sorry for Sars. the technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. So I'm going to move on to the next question because I think that um, we've covered, you both have covered the first part really, really well and everything. So, <laughs> words. Good, uh, thank I want to talk about the book as a book rather than necessarily the topic um, for a bit because we, we mentioned in the opener that um, this was the first time that we'd ever really done a graphic novel or a graphic memoir and I read comics and graphic novels myself quite a lot but um, 
I don't think that you guys necessarily do, and we certainly never have as a group. And yeah. I also think that they give a really good, um, a differing view on some of the sort of more prevalent topics and conversations. We recently did a book club where I read the graphic novel of the um, the book. Master of Margarita. Yeah, yeah, and it it illuminated some points for me. Yes. <laughs> um. So my question is: Did the format as a graphic memoir make you approach things differently? How did it affect you? Were there any parts of the illustration that you particularly liked or didn't like? Um, I really enjoyed um, in the, uh, I think it was the first story. And it actually, it, it um, happened quite a few times throughout uh, the stories. Um, there was illustrations of hands in, in certain places, um, but also it... Um, they were quite opaque and what was quite interesting is that kind of idea of um, that lasting feeling of a hand or that lasting memory of a hand and so I just thought that 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 choice um, was really interesting and it it was echoed throughout the book Mm. uh, quite a few times. Um, Also there's one particular story that um, it doesn't elaborate really on what happened and actually the person who was telling the story can't re- remember what happened. Um, but it goes fuzzy after um, she's had a drink and um, the illustrations definitely depict a fuzziness mm. and you can't really distinguish what's happening in the frames. And I thought that was very clever and a really interesting choice. Um, lots of kind of words of no that are scattered across the pictures and illustrations i just i thought the choice of illustrations to story were really interesting and yeah. ones that had happened in earlier childhood were quite um more uh, uh like young story illustrations and ones that happened to um slightly older members were a different choice as well i just thought that the illustration choice depending on the story was very interesting um and definitely evoked certain emotions uh from those particular the way they were drawn and the choices that were made in each frame that's a really interesting point alex and i also (laughs) noticed the the hand thing in particular because i for the same reasons that you did like it that that feeling of that lingering um touch touch or you know the the way that certain things can scar you without yeah. them actually leaving a bruise for mm-hmm. example sam what about you were there any of the um was there any of the artwork that you found particularly interesting or uh how did you feel about the format of a graphic novel because you i think are a little bit more familiar with comics than um maybe alex is um yeah but i wouldn't say i'm okay with them i think the one of the things that i found yeah, well, I found interesting because we like saying that here. Um, <laughs> is that I found quite a lot of the illustrations quite androgynous, and mm. there was one story that I was reading, which was the one I say reading, looking at. Um, that was the it's one about reading. the like being a tutor and the person who was being oh, tutored yeah, getting obsessed. I... And I thought, yeah, the the person was a woman, but it wasn't because in later, I'm assuming it wasn't because later frames they had a beard. Um. No, I went back and looked and they had a tiny beard yes, in the first frame. Exactly. And then it grew slightly or was more obvious. Yeah. So the the fact that there wasn't a huge amount of hyper femininity or masculinity I thought was an interesting take on it. 
um, and the way they were told. But yeah, I, they were uh, some powerful images. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, funnily enough, the one with the tutor, I also found really good, um, really interesting because of the passage of time in a similar way to the fact that like in one frame there's a teeny tiny beard and everything the passage of time that was um illustrated by the different hairstyles and it was all really subtle and you could read it that it all happened in a week or you could read it that it all happened over several years and it was just i thought that that was really well done i i found that i really enjoyed enjoyed is a really difficult word in this but um expected yeah it's a colorful book it's a colorful book and um it wasn't all there was a lot of dark colors but it wasn't all dark colors and i think that that's true because i think it's true to life it felt true to life it felt like it was representative of the varying emotions that you feel um that it wasn't just it's not just everything was bleak and dark and sad and terrible it just felt like it was trying to encapsulate the myriad of emotions mm. that you feel. And I, funnily enough, read a book earlier on in the year called Only Child, um, which is very sad. And I'm going to what's it about, but th- it is about a five year old child who at one point in the book is using painting pages of colours to express his emotions. And so he says, red is an angry colour. Or no, red is red means embarrassed because it's the colour of blushing. Mm-hmm. And blue is a sad colour because it's sad. And then green is uh, an envious colour because his parents loved his brother more than he did. And this sort of thing. And it's that colours don't necessarily mean the same thing to everyone. Yeah. That for some people, some colours mean something completely different, which is why I liked that it mm. wasn't just everything is dark and black and sad because there's a lot more to it than that yeah and i think it encapsulated both the um the myriad of human emotions but also the myriad of human experiences like you say the androgyny behind it that it wasn't all pink and blue pink and blue Mm. men are blue and women are pink and that's the experiences it was this happens to everyone every color is represented quite literally this is a multicultural uh, set of illustrations that I really enjoyed. Although, inter- interestingly, you say about the pink and blue, the cover is pink and blue. True. Yeah. And shiny. And but shiny. It wasn't pink and blue at all inside. Yeah. There was nothing that was divided in that way, you know? No. Um, the thing I felt about the pink and blue cover was that it was eye catching on, the, on yeah. the. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the shelf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that that was. The use of colour was what stood it out was, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Eye-catching. So do you think that when it comes to a topic like this, having it represented visually made it more or less impactful? Do you think it's a good way of tackling difficult subjects? What do you reckon? I think it... Uh, you know, with a graphic novel, you're going to um, leave a lot up to your own imagination because obviously even though there are illustrations and there's images in front of you, the words that are said um, and the things that happened before and followed after are completely left up to the imagination because it's usually a snapshot of of something or a situation. Um, But uh, it... So if anything, it became more heightened for me 
because um, it allowed me to think about what happened before and after. And um, although I said I couldn't relate to these characters, you are able to put yourself in that situation more, mm-hmm. I feel, because the characters aren't developed. It is just purely, here is what happened. And and uh, and the, like you speak about the colour and stuff, it is flashes of colour and therefore emotion, and that's hard hitting. Mm. I found the, the graphic um, memoir format, I, I found it really absorbing. I think that it's a really good way to put forward this kind of thing because it's it's looking at something in a different light and i think so much about uh putting change into the world is being able to look at things in a different light yeah and in many ways it is more accessible because i think that we learn we you learn to read by reading board books children's mm-hmm. books are illustrations first then words yeah you learn to read in this kind of way you learn new concepts and a lot of people learn new concepts visually if you think about things like the rosetta stone language courses they have like apple and they have a big picture of an apple Mm. and then they have apple in the two languages you storyboard all the time yeah and so i think i think it's a really good way to approach difficult or new subjects by presenting them visually that's an interesting point Thank you. Very, I find that very interesting. Kim. I find that really very interesting. interesting. No one else I find really interesting is that our wine glasses are empty. And I think we should fill them. Yes. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, you know what else is pink and blue? The uh, front label of the Chronic Cellars <laughs> wine that we are moving on to, yep. which, as I said before, has absolutely no descriptions other than grab it like you want it. Which, oh, God. No. Unless it's wine is not a message we support. Um, I shall pour away. I don't know. What if you're in a really good sale and it's really busy oh, yeah, and you see some that. shoes grab that. and you're like, I fucking need those shoes. Respect people whilst you are grabbing. I will not. It is a free for all when it comes to shoes, my friend. Who shops and if shops someone, If someone grabbed a, a pair of shoes and you almost grabbed at the same time, what would you do? And you really, really wanted them. I'd fart really loudly and hope they drop them. <laughs> <laughs> Would you fart in their direction I would or just go, stare into their eyes? I would go chemical warfare rather than physical contact, I think. Okay. So and you then drop it, wait for reaction, yeah. and then go... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And run away. Yeah, or I'd hope that they think I was so mental that I just... That they, they, they wouldn't want to mess with me. Right yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair. You are mental. Mental crazy. I'm glad you wouldn't resort to violence. No, just, no. Just no, farts. Just, just farts. I find they're a much more eloquent form of... <laughs> expression um anyway we have just poured this lovely wine so cheers cheers oh 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 that is a different taste of the (laughs) the wine we were having before my my buds were not prepared um yeah kim (laughs) it's an unusual taste it's Quite sweet. Surprisingly sweet. I don't know if it's sweet. At the moment, Mm. Mm, she mm, takes a sip. mm. It's got a little bit of a plastic taste to it. Oh yeah, it does. Mm. And Mm -hmm. um, once upon a time when I was drinking at producer Holly's house, her lovely partner served me a bottle of wine and, you know, to myself. And... (laughs) See, they're good hosts. They were really excited to pour this wine. It was from a wine box they had. And we all took a sip of it and we were like, I can't eat it. It tastes like 
Why burning. Can't, drink it. <laughs> can't drink it. It tastes like burning plastic. Now this isn't quite that bad, but it is at the moment a little bit plasticky. But that might just be because we've just switched from the white to the red. We did not give ourselves a break, really. We no. just went straight. Our glasses are empty. Let's have some more. I was researching palate cleansers today, but I didn't really know how um, the sound of us eating pineapple would. We don't need to with your taste buds. Just drink some more white wine. Apparently, pineapple, rare roast beef. And a very particular kind of olive are good Rare places. roast beef. Yeah, I know. No, I don't think that's one that Alex will be trying. Yeah. I'll stick with my sorbet. Yeah, well, yeah what not, the fuck I, is sorbet? Me, I'm not serving you sorbet. <laughs> okay, so now that we've uh, all got our plasticky wine, on to the next topic of conversation. Um, what did you guys think of the book cover and the book title? The fact that it was called Take It As A Compliment and follow-up question... What did you think about the fact that I told you that I got this from the library? Well, we already spoke about the book cover, actually, ironically, being pink and blue. I mean, the cover is a crowd, for anyone who may not, again, have Instagram to see the cover, um, it is a pink and blue design, and on it there are several people, uh, clearly at some sort of social event, and uh, the only indication you have as to what might happen in the book is that there's a man putting his arms around a woman who has her back to you, who is clearly uncomfortable with the situation, but because Mm -hmm. it's in a crowd of people, it's not necessarily that obvious, um, unless you're really looking at it. And to be honest, when Kim first gave me the book, I didn't notice until I saw what was in the book, and then I went, ooh. And everyone else is looking... Which is kind of the point, I think. The other way, or is distracted. What did you think of the title, take it as a compliment? I was not expecting... The cover and the title made me think it was going to be a lot more light-hearted. And there's no blurb on the back, like Alex said. There's just a quote from one of the stories. Mm. Um, so when you told us that this was our book of choice yeah. for this podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like it's going to be like a... A romp. There were, not, not necessarily a romp. Like, I think there, I was like, there will be some serious issues in there, but there will be some kind of levity... And there was no levity. Mm. There was no Joseph Gordon levity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy that? that? I did. <laughs> Good. That's my little nugget of levity for this very intense podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's... Yeah, I, I think it set up an expectation that was then not delivered, but not in a bad way. It was just... Looking back at it now, having read it, I'm like... Ooh. yeah i think i had a similar thing when i um saw the title i thought that and i think i even pitched it to you before i'd actually read it that it was more about cat calling yes that was yeah. what we which is a topic that we're definitely going to cover at some point but Oof. um we just decided to go you know into the heavy one first mm. <laughs> um i thought it was more about that's that kind of separated from you from physical interaction kind of microaggressions Mm -hmm. that women Mm. um Mm. women in particular but everyone faces every day that you know like oh nice tits love that kind of thing which does feature in the book Mm. but the the book itself is a lot more about physical interaction i think and physical threat um whereas i definitely saw it as more of a like uh the kind of comments that we've all received on instagram for example and so again it was 
misleading, but not in a bad way because I'm really glad that I read it. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think that was totally the intention. I yeah. think it's the take it as a compliment that we see is the light-hearted. Oh, they just touched their bum, or they just like wolf whistled them, or some builders like looking down someone's dress or whatever. And actually, it is all awful and serious and we should actually take it seriously as opposed to just go oh i love take it as a compliment i think you're hot but should we not just take are you saying then that if you're being wolf whistle dog or cat called i know we're not going to go into it entirely but Mm. that we shouldn't take that seriously but no that's what i mean sorry i think like that was the whole point like that whole title was to go to, to, and then to have such an impacting novel, okay, like yeah, a yeah, graphic fair novel enough, yeah. was yeah. for us to question that side yes, of things. Yes. Sorry, I didn't make that, that time. No, sorry, I'm um, yeah. Sorry, do you um, mean to challenge our preconceived notions yeah. of what is acceptable boys will be boys yeah, and exa- what is exactly. what is what you should take seriously? Because you see are, that you think you know, there are levels of um assault within this book but you have to take it all as actually this is not okay and these people are obviously still so scarred that they've written in to give these stories and you know there's ones that have happened from childhood and some of them aren't you know people might go oh get over it Mm. or whatever Mm. because it's maybe not seen as as serious and so I saw the title as you don't think that as you know that that is a, a a throwaway comment of take it as a compliment what I just said to you what I just did to you and actually all of it should be taken seriously yeah none of yeah. it should be taken as a compliment and I think that's a really good point about um things that we may may consider like some people may consider as as small because there's a book in the world called not that bad about you know like dispatches from rape culture um that is is in a similar vein that I think that this book and the point that you're making is whereas that everyone's had an experience and sometimes we say oh it's but it wasn't that bad and I Mm. definitely have said that to people um and no about myself not to them um about my own experiences um yeah about myself and my own experiences and the fact is that I'm still talking about them and mm. they it's been 10 years so even if you think that it's not ta- not that bad it it's how it affects you and what you went through and that's the whole me too movement yeah like going back to it you know people go oh no I've never had that happen to me and you know actually we started this podcast with me going oh I've never experienced anything like that you know you can think of moments where you were catcalled or people made you feel uncomfortable by words they were saying mm-hmm. um the whole Me Too thing was to say, is actually, to say. is to say, and was to say at the time, and, you know, is living on now, um, even the smallest things are not okay. And have lasting effects on yourself. Yeah. And um, the library thing? The library thing, I think, um, oh, I don't know, because as we've said, it's a very eye-catching cover. It's not necessarily, you don't necessarily get what the book is about just by looking at it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, so having it in a library, I don't know, I think people would be maybe pick it up and read it who would not normally pick up and read a book with like a, you know, 300 page paperback on the same topic. Um, I think it's a good thing that it's accessible, but I think that book should come with a warning because I, I think that someone reading that who was not aware of the contents could 
uh, have could be forced to confront things that they don't yet want to confront or don't want to be reminded of. Yeah, I think that it should be available. I don't believe in censorship. I think that it should be available. But yes. I agree that it it should be informed. it needs some kind of blurb on it in the way that we put a trigger warning at the top of this episode. Exactly. It needs some kind of blurb on it that is. This is going to be harder to read than you think it's going to be. Yeah, exactly that. This yeah. is going to make you feel some shit. Yeah. Funnily though, at the same time that I picked that up, I picked up something called Sultana's Dream, which is um, a re- uh, illustrated retelling of a, a Hindu, I think it's Hindu, um, legend or story um, from sort of the turn of the century about a world in which women run everything and yeah. there are no men, but written from a, from a not western perspective yeah and i kind of thought well these are both accessible they're they're basically on the same shelf they're not with all the marvel comics and um i really liked that they were available i know that they both cover quite difficult topics because they both do and sultana's dream is a lot milder but it's still dealing with some heavy shit and um this is obviously heavy as fuck uh, but I I liked that they were available. I think that the, the library to which they are available, I hope, is accessible by a lot of young teens. and Well, not young teens. Older teens, young adults. Maybe university. Yeah, university or, or sixth form and things like that. And I think that school libraries are monitored more closely. And I like that in such a progressive city that this is available i liked that it was available because i've been trying i try to use the library as much as possible and i've been trying to get um more diverse reading in my reading life because i spent quite a lot of my formative years reading dead white guys yeah whereas this is something that is challenging inclusive and readily accessible and for that i'm eternally grateful to the library system yes so How's everyone finding the Chronic Sellers? Sweet petite. Sweet petite. Now that we've got past the original tasting. Um, I'm still not a fan. This is quite a slog to get through, I'll be honest. I don't thoroughly dislike it and I don't like it. I'm, I don't dislike it, but I'm disappointed because, um... I've been wanting to try this wine for a really long time. And it ain't cheap. But yeah, I was hoping that it was going to be one of those amazing red wines with the butter at the back of your mouth taste. It's quite it, dry. It ain't no stones and bones, mate. It ain't no stones and bones. It's it's a drier wine and I... It's just drier than the white. Yeah, it is really dry. I find it really acidic. It is really acidic. I feel like it's going to repeat on me. Yeah, I feel like there's indigestion coming tonight. Mm. I will be cracking out the Rennies. I was going to say, why do you think I always have a stash of Rennies with me at any given time? Shout out to Rennies for letting us drink. What is your red wine habit? Red wine and spicy food, my two favourite things. So this book does bring up a lot of issues around the, uh, the topic of consent, which is obviously something that's vitally important um not just in sexuality but in a lot of topics in life and um being forced into doing things that you don't want to do which don't necessarily involve sex mm-hmm. um what do you think about um what is available in terms of education on consent at the moment 
actually, and I've told you both this before separately, um, I, when we did sex education at school when I was in year five, Mm -hmm. we touched on consent, which I think is so important. And I remember feeling really, really uncomfortable about it because they were talking about rape and, um, you know, in a, in a year five, uh, friendly, friendly way, way. Mm. um, maybe not how, you know, this book illustrates or how no. we might not no. like discuss it. Um, but I therefore remember being very aware of my own body and my own, uh, uh, wants and, and discomforts. And um, I think that's really important. And Mm -hmm. it upsets me when I hear, like, I have friends who are teachers. And, you know, some of them are teachers in in quite religious schools. And um, they don't talk about... They don't talk about sex for pleasure or anything like that, which is obviously another Mm. thing. Yeah, that's another topic. Um, But they don't talk about consent. And I think in any religion, in any kind of situation when you're talking about sex it needs to be addressed because it is not okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we're ta- taught that it is not okay when we're older and some of it's already happened and then suddenly yeah. you feel ashamed because it's a topic that you shouldn't talk about. Mm. It's something that came in quite late for our generation. Yeah. yeah. I am um, thinking about it, like, at school. I don't I don't necessarily remember it being taught at school that, like, consent or not, but I went to a girl's school and I think that we were very much taught, you know, we are masters of our own body and we can do what we want with it. But it was, it was treated as a, you're going to have sex. Here's how to do it. Right. (laughs) Um, But I, I think that I must have learned consent (coughs) at some point. And I remember my mum being like, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. And I'm glad, I know I must have been told it at some point, I didn't just learn it inherently because I have experienced issues with ex-partners. I've since experienced lovely people who have been very much like just really, really wonderful and respectful and it's nice to know that there are people out there that are like that. Um, So while I don't necessarily remember being taught consent, Mm. um. I do believe I was taught it. I just don't think that I was necessarily taught it at school. And I think that that is changing. I hope so. I think there's a conversation around consent that wasn't there before that's opened up in the last few years, definitely. But I don't believe that that conversation is uh, is perfect. I think there's a lot that is not communicated because we're, ta- we're now told consent is key, which is not something that I was really was really communicated to me it was just basically just penis goes in vagina when penis is hard if penis is hard you have to have sex pretty much um so i think there's more to it i think there's things that we need to be teaching people like the fact that giving consent once is not consent every single time oh god yes um that you can change your mind at any point Mm -hmm. and that consent at the beginning of an activity doesn't make that activity enjoyable you have to still have presence of mind. It's not a fucking free-for-all to do whatever the hell you like. You know, you've still got to... There's still a responsibility on both of you to check in and make sure that experience is as enjoyable as possible. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely... And that's there's definitely a level of that in the book. There's the story in which, you know, she's in a lovely, charming relationship and everything seems fine. And then um, midway through what she thinks is a consensual massage, he enters her in a way that she does not appreciate and she tells him to stop and he 
implies that well no implies says that she owes, owes him. him because he's done this for her he says but i gave you a massage yeah. he just decided he was entitled to butt sex because he'd given me a back massage yeah and i think that that <laughs> that was one that really resonated with me um not that that exact situation has ever happened but that level of i'm entitled to this because i am with you and mm. i'm being nice mm. to you i'm entitled to do whatever i want because i traveled all the way to your flat yeah. to have sex with you cool fuck off um it's just yeah i think that that is the point that you were making is really resonates in this in this mm. book and vice versa constantly checking in and it doesn't need to be a can i can i touch you on your face can <laughs> yeah. i stroke your hair <laughs> The There's... most unarousing. For like, any, well, for everyone like listening, Kim just dog. both touched me on my face and stroked my hair without me giving my consent. It's true. Uh, so, true. Uh, yeah. I'm the worst of the people <laughs> in the world. Um, but there, you know, it, it is, is this okay? Do you like this? Is this okay? And actually saying that in a way where you're willing to hear the answer, because I think that it can be considered sexy to be like, oh, do you like that? And then if someone goes, no, you have to be like, should I stop? Okay, I'll stop. Well, this is another thing, is that it's there has to be education, I think, around reacting to the word no. Mm. Because for most people, if they say, I want something, and then someone goes, no, none of us are going to walk away from that and be like, I am totally fine. Or not none of us, but it's it kind of goes against our nature to go, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, mm. if it were any other walk of life, and you like... You have a discussion, or... Yeah. And, and discussion is fine. Discussion mm. is fine. Discussion still doesn't mean that you're entitled to do the thing. No, no, But no, being exactly. able to say to someone, if they say, no, I don't want to do that, I think opening up the conversation to be like, okay, was it something I did? Is there a particular reason? Do you want to talk about it? Because while I appreciate that this is your boundary and this is the boundary that you have set, I also, I am a person with feelings and I'm hurt by the fact that you maybe have reacted this way in something that I thought that we both wanted. Yes. I think that that's a perfectly fine conversation to have if you're doing it in the right way. There's a difference between that conversation and going, but you fucking wanted it. You were leading me on. That's mm, not the same thing. No, no. no. and I, I think the hard thing is is the rise of, you know, uh, dating apps. So things like Plenty of Fish and Tinder and things like that. Like, I'm not on them because I've been in a very long-term relationship. Um, but I have plenty of friends that will, like, screenshot conversations that they're having with boys or girls and um they're laughable and awful um i say laughable actually it's not funny some of them are really quite gross and disturbing um but then say that you do carry on the conversation and they turn up at your house and they are expecting something and then it's okay to then go, actually, I've decided I'm not really into this. But there is this kind of, well, we've been talking about it for ages and you were suggesting this and I've come all the way from yeah. two miles yeah. away. I just wanted to lead with uh, something that I, or not lead, but interject there with something that I've found out today. Statistically, so Tinder, we'll take as one example, Tinder gets 1.6 billion swipes every day, every wow. single day. But only 26 million matches. Only 26 people, 26 million people have matched each other, which is a success rate of 0.16%. Mm. 
Wow. That's just swiping. There's nothing like you've got, then got to get through messaging. You've then got to get through. De- so, yes, I agree. There's this immediate accessibility, but there's also very little chance of it I, actually happening. Yeah. Two things. Number one, may I commend you on your <coughs> excellent memory for stats? Which I just <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Do not have. But um... look at this graph. <laughs> <laughs> look at this graph. <laughs> Number two. Speaking as the member of this team who's legitimately been on Tinder mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. An, an amount of time, uh, willingly or unwillingly, uh, <laughs> that was a big part of why I was like, I don't want to go on Tinder, Sam. Please don't make me a Tinder. Why are you making me a Tinder? Oh, God, she's picking a picture of a horse on it. Um, <laughs> was that I, as you know, just mentioned have certain reservations with with um sexual relationships i'm i'm slower to slower to move than some and i was really worried about the fact that by being on tinder and matching with someone was that not just automatically suggesting that i was a dtf yes yeah like and the fact is that no i'm not i'm just not just not and um i was really worried about that basically the entire time that I was on Tinder and the entire time that I've done anything ever in my adult dating life, I think. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much up till the moment that I met my partner who is wonderful and lovely. Um but that's it's it's just it's really interesting that that's your pre conception and you've obviously not been on tinder you have been in a long-term relationship like from the screenshots yeah and yeah i've I've seen similar yeah um where people will just be like hey what are you doing and then like a conversation will start and they'll be like want to see my dick nah you're right mate not even a little bit then then arranging to meet up and it's very clear from the meetup that it is a sexual thing. And then I'm like, well, what happens if that person then goes, actually, I'm not into this? Basically, people treat Tinder like delivery for sex. Yeah, they're really like, well, that, well that's what I see. Well, like, they do, That's though. amazing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Coming from the so... person that is like, no, I'm not into No, no, that. I just yeah. mean that, I just meant just that like, was really mm, funny. I don't think I fancy that tonight. I don't think I want that. Well, yeah, I, no, I, can't, I could get involved with that. Yeah, that'll do. Not even, no, I, that was not my lived experience. That was not what you did, but... No, not yeah. even that. I just... I don't know. There were some fucking weird people on Tinder as well. <laughs> so anyway, to wrap up like a little bit about the conversation of consent, I think that we we all kind of feel like it's changing. There's a conversation that's happening now mm-hmm. that is was not happening when we were teenagers. But that we ourselves seem to have a, a clearer idea of our own boundaries, which is is really the first step, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't want to elaborate too much because I think that we've we've had a bit of wine yeah. and we're going to go off the rails more so than we have already and probably get a bit rambly. So with that in mind, how's everyone found the wine towards the end of our discussion? Uh, it's not got easier. No. I mean, I've no. drunk it more slowly than the rest of you, I feel. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, of course you aren't a red wine drinker, but I this is not an easy drinking red wine. This, um, mm. this is one that leaves definitely. There's a coating on my tongue mm. and teeth. I'm, and teeth. I'm a bit sad about it. You have a very purpley brown tongue. Yeah. Beautiful. Why Beautiful. is mine so dirty? No, they all are. Is mine? No. Less so, but you've drunk less of it. Oh, oh yeah. Fair. This is weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will post pictures <laughs> of our tongue on the Absolutely not. <laughs> so, with that in mind. 
what would we rate this wine out of five in our grape culture way? And also, what would we rate the porcupine? Ridge? Should we start with the porcupine ridge? Yeah, let's start. Okay. Because it was the let's first one that. we let's drank. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex, what would you give porcupine um, ridge? I'm going to give it... I'm going to go with my initial reaction. Because it did get easier. But I'm still going to give it a two. Okay. The porcupine ridge, really? Yeah, I think it was nice, but I would never order it ever yeah. in like a restaurant or a bar i would never buy it but if someone poured me a glass it's fine Fair. interesting because i was going to go for a two and now that you've said that i kind of want to write it lower because you don't like white wine i don't like white wine but i also like i keep thinking of the taste of it at the back of my throat and it's i just mm-hmm. it's not nice and also this is graphic but i can kind of see myself throwing it up and that's not pleasant <laughs> i mean no. isn't it tasted like no. cheap wine like it tasted like hangover wine so my rating for the uh porcupine ridge would be 1.5 grapes because uh i'm not a white wine drinker but also it's just not good white wine no yeah i don't think yeah i mean i, can't, I don't think i can go higher than a two yeah um it was i was disappointed but uh no. When aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> mm. it's true. Okay, mm. good. Mm. And um, how of, how about the uh, chronic seller? Neat petite, whatever it was called. Two point five, maybe three at best. Sorry. Really? I'll go as with high that. as that? You'd go as high as a three. Mate, well, I drunk it. Yeah, but... Yeah, so did we all. I think... You know what I think it is? It's not that the wine is necessarily bad. It's just that it's overpriced massively. Oh, yeah. For the price point, Mm. it's like a one. For a £5 wine, it would be like a three. Like, I'd definitely buy that on someone. So that's why I'm kind of like, well, it's like a 2.5 because it's not Okay, for our listeners who we're recommending wine to, and they would buy this wine if we recommended a three... What would you say? 2.5 unless you like really dry wine. Okay. Okay. Alex, did you rate yours? 1.5. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You've had a poor night wine-wise, haven't you? I have had I a poor... I think we all have. I think we all have, yeah, true. I'm, I, I'm feeling warm in my belly and happy in my soul. But I <laughs> You and not... after this conversation? <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, okay, yeah, no, like... In terms of the feeling of maybe merriness, which I was trying to make more subtle, um, but the wine, yes, a little bit merry <laughs> is what I was trying to say. Sam, how would you rate the chronic sellers? Oh, um, I think it might be the worst red we've had. Yeah. So I think I might have to go for one point five as well. Oh, this is a depressing wine episode. How about the rating for the book? Take it and as a compliment. Yeah, oh, take it as a compliment. Really by Maria Stoyan. Stoyan. Yeah. Stoyan. Now, it's not necessarily a rating of enjoyment because it's a difficult topic and much like The Handmaid's Tale, it's hard to say that you enjoyed reading it. But what did you guys rate? And I'm asking you guys first because I'm checking my Goodreads rating. So we'll go... I am going to... Now, I don't think... I'm going to say something potentially controversial. Mm-hmm. I don't think that because something to- tackles a difficult subject, it should immediately be regarded as good. Quite right. No, um, I agree. I'm not saying that was bad in, by any means, but I would have preferred some kind of 
again, like I said, I, I, I needed a warning with that book. Yeah. Uh, and I did not get it. So, for me, I am going to give it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, I rated it as four on my Goodreads because you can't do half stars on Goodreads. Okay. Um, but and it's better than a three, granted. Yeah. yeah. And my my level for a three is always, I would recommend it to, to the right person. And I think that it's definitely better than I would recommend it to the right person because I also think that I would recommend it to people that I want to challenge, but more sensitively and again if i had read it before i'd actually pitched it to sam and alex i probably would have given more warnings and more time um but i definitely i really appreciated it i loved the artwork i thought that it was great i i um i found it really powerful and really absorbing so it's definitely worth the three and a half stars that i'm giving it well three and a half grapes three and a half grapes ain't no Um, stars here just ain't no stars here i don't know where that ain't no stars my babber (laughs) just grapes um i think it's definitely worth the three and a half grapes that i'm giving it i just to give it something like four or five would feel wrong because it's just so difficult and it was so difficult and heartbreaking and it's Mm. not a disparagement on the artwork or the collection but it's it's more that the topic is so difficult that you can't you can't just blank it um i think 3.5 is a good number i i think i think for me like reading and um art is you know it should touch on subjects that are important and that we should talk about and uh trigger conversations um in my spare time i like to read escapism and things that make me feel happy so for me it was hard um it wasn't something i would choose to pick up but i am i appreciate uh all the stories and uh, accounts that went into it and the beauty of the artwork yes so 3.5 3.5 cool. all around yeah so if you have read take it as a compliment and want to let us know your thoughts don't forget you can contact us on twitter we are at grape culture pod or you can head over to our website which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk alternatively if you want to see more of the artwork that we've discussed you can check us out on instagram where we are at grape culture podcast so i've been sam i've been kim and i've been alex and thank you for listening to grape culture and we will see you next time bye, bye.